We have been uh, looking at the book of Revelation in between the book of Mark uh, and uh, we're, the next two weeks we're going to do Revelation chapter 4 and 5 and uh, it's, a, it's a lot of fun um, so I hope you're looking forward to it um, and uh, you'd remember a few weeks back we talked about uh, chapters 2 and 3, the, the messages that Jesus had for particular churches, do you remember that? And then really what happens now is John goes into this thing where he sees a vision. Uh, He sees something amazing, but what he really sees is what's happening in the heavenly realms. What's going on behind the scenes? The things that we don't see in this world. And and to put that quite simply, if just say, and I'm pretty sure it's the case, there was... Uh, angels in this room right now, you can't see them, can you? But if... Um, yeah. Wow. Um, yes, things are going backwards. Um, if you could strip back, if you could imagine, if you could just sort of lift off the curtain and see the spiritual realm, what would you see? And in chapter 4, we get the first sort of great lifting off, and it starts with what you see, the most important thing. So today we're going to look at the most important thing. Uh, It's the first thing you see in the Revelation. But I just want to say this again, just because we keep having to explain the Revelation, it is not a picture of what's just going to happen in the future. The Revelation is all of time. It's snapshots in different chapters of all that God's doing. Sometimes you get this bit, sometimes you get that bit. Um, and it, it, but what you get is the wide, the big story of God. Okay, But you get it in a different way. You don't get it like sometimes you might watch a documentary on TV and say you might get a documentary about the life of Jesus. That's not what we've got here. This is kind of... The picture language story uh, in, 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 in vivid imagery, what's called apocalyptic literature. Apo- apocalyptic just means revelation. That the word apocalypsis is the, is the revelation. And sorry, I'm going a bit... But, but what happens as you see this language, a bit like, say, if you watch The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe or The Lord of the Rings, you've got all these images and you've got this weird stuff going on, but everything means something. You know, when you see the lion on the lion, the witch in the wardrobe, you're supposed to think of Jesus, aren't you? The one who dies and is raised from the dead. So it's kind of it's a different style of thinking. And it's some, people's, some people love this and some people go, well, I'm trying to understand it, but I'm, I'm struggling with it. And that's okay. But what we're supposed to do is to kind of picture in our minds what we're seeing and get into the emotion of it. Is what's going on a good thing? So, uh, or is it a bad thing? You know, you get bad feelings from some pictures, good from others. And, and what's God... It's kind of like the Holy Spirit feeds us with the truth through this. So I hope you can understand that. Understand also this. If God can tell us what's happening in the future, that means he is the Lord of history. Is that true? If he can tell you, if, if he knows everything that's going to happen, he is in control of it. 
He's not just a bystander. He's actually ruling over history. So we've got to see that. Okay, so now you've got to... Uh, I'm going to read the Bible reading, which is a long... Uh, it's a, a chapter. And I'll just picture in your mind what this might look like. Because what you picture is what it is, really, in a sense. And then we'll talk about it. So John says this. After I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. This is Revelation 4. Sorry, Revelation chapter 4. I'll start again. After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow and had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones. And seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature like an ox. The third living creature with the face of a man. And the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes and all around them and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honour and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him, him, worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Okay, how are you going? Yep, some of it you're getting, and some of it you're sort of... Right, we'll, uh, that's okay. Firstly, John sees, uh, just to give you an overview, quite simply what he sees, he sees a door open. You know, I said if you could see in the, in the spiritual realms, he opens the door and he sees a throne. Actually, he doesn't see a throne. He sees the throne. The throne, you see, in, in the Revelation, the thr- a throne is significant. It, it symbolises authority. But he doesn't just see a throne. He sees the throne of God. So he sees the authority and the rulership of God right before him. Okay? And it's great. He is the God who is ruling over history. And he's the God who created everything. And his throne and his authority and his rule is over us. Do you know that? God is ruling over you. You may not know it, you may not see it, you may not like it, but you can't change it. God is ruling over all things. Okay? And all things are happening according to his will. 
He has a will. He has a will for this planet, for the nations of this planet, for this church, for his people. He has a will. Now it says John says he's in the Holy Spirit. That without the Holy Spirit, you can't understand anything of God. Uh, Paul says, um, "No eye can see, no ear can hear, no mind can perceive what God has in store for those who love Him." But He has revealed it by His Spirit. His Spirit reveals these things. What's happening in God's realm? And He sees one on the throne. Now, God's not actually described. How can you describe the living God? But it's it, it, it's more it's described as he has the appearance of jasper and carnelian and there's a lot of they're basically precious gems which have the colour probably something like bright shining like a diamond and then blood red is the carnelian uh, colour so it's like there's these colours purity and, cl- and clearness and also bright red coming from the throne and around the throne is a rainbow it's almost like around the throne. Have you ever been in a plane and seen a rainbow as a circle? It happens sometimes. I've only seen it a few times. If you're in a plane and you're looking away from the sun, you actually see the whole rainbow, not just the half. And it's like there's this rainbow around the throne. And what does the rainbow remind us of? God's promise, his covenant with Noah, that he, would, he saves his chosen people in the ark. Yeah? And... And they're safe with him. And he, and he's also a promise of judgment on sin. And, and we know that the covenant of Noah is fulfilled in Jesus. Isn't it? Where the chosen ones, his people will be saved. And there will be judgment on all those who are not on the ark, who are not in Jesus. So, the revelation begins with a throne. Now I said, you know what starts with the most important thing? Why is a throne the most important thing? Do you know what the most important thing you can see in your life is? God, the ruler of all. If you don't come to that, you miss everything. Do you understand? We start this vision with what's most important. All of history can be described really as a battle for the throne. Who can get onto that throne? Who can rule over all? That is a battle for authority and a battle for worship. Okay. Now we're told, actually we've already had a passage in chapter 2 that says that Satan has a throne. And later in chapter 16 it also says he has a throne. That means Satan has some authority. And in chapter 12, just to understand, you get this great battle, but it's kind of between the world, all of the evil people, and the devil who both want to be on top of each other and they both hate each other, but they use each other to try and fight God. Basically, they want to rule over, they want to sit on the throne. But there's one thing that's really clear. Only God sits on the throne. Only he rules over all things. And nothing will ever change that. All power and authority and therefore all worship is for him. Do you understand this? This is like... Foundational point for all of your Christian life. God sits on the throne. And he rules from that throne and he's honoured and praised on that throne. Lamentation 5.19 says this. You, O Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures from generation to generation. It's not just talking about the seat, is it? It's 
talking about his authority. And actually, do you remember the, the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary when, when she was about to, to be conceived with Jesus? And the Gabriel says to uh, Mary, He, that's Jesus, your son, will be great, and he will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will rule, reign sorry, over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Can you see the promise of Jesus sitting on a throne forever? But there was, there's always a battle for this throne. The devil comes and tries to unseat Jesus. You know, if you just bow down to me, I'll give you everything in the world. What's the point of that when you're worshipping the devil? Do you understand? Can you see the battle playing out for rulership? And when, when the devil said to Adam and Eve in the garden, um, if you eat this, you'll be like God, he was saying, you can go and stand on that throne yourself, knowing all the time that he wanted to be on that throne and he had no hope. But why, why submit to anybody? Why don't you be top of the pile yourself? That's Satan's desire. In, in chapter 14 of Isaiah, we get a picture of who Satan is and it says of this, He says, you, that's the devil, said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God and I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mountain of assembly. I will sit ruling over God's people in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. That's what the devil said. I am going to be on the throne. The next verse actually says what really is going to happen to him because it says, but you are brought down to Sheol, the, de- the place of the dead, to the far reaches of the pit. He won't get there. Right. So, this is good news. We know the end of the story. Who stays on the throne and who wins and who loses? God wins. There is not, there's not going to be a battle in which the devil or sinful humanity take over from God. That won't happen. Actually, if you get towards the end of the Bible, you know the, the very, some people, scary battle of Armageddon, which doesn't happen. Everybody gathers to fight God and then Jesus just speaks his word and then that's the end of it. There's no battle because it's not like God is on this throne and the devil's a little bit low and people are here. It's like God is ruling over all things and he has total power and authority over everything. Okay, now around this throne next is this 24 other thrones, lower thrones, lower authorities. And, and most people sort of believe that these, th- these, these thrones and authorities represent the 12 tribes of Israel or the uh, 12 sons of uh, Jacob and also the 12 apostles, the 12 disciples. Um, not including Judas, I guess, he, I guess he got kicked out and replaced, but that's okay. Um, and, and, and that, that kind of there are rulers over God's people and in this world. There are authorities set up. I mean, it's not clear, but whatever you understand these thrones, they are representative of people on earth ruling over God's people under God. God's ruling and he gives his rulership, he gives authority to people below him. But do you notice that all of these rulers bow down and worship God. They might have little thrones, but they're not thinking, mate, my little throne, it's the throne, I'm above God. 
they submit to him. They worship him. They have authority because he's given it to them. Does that make sense? What, a, what a, an amazing world it would be if everybody knew their place and they were happy with that. That's what you get a picture of here is humanity and all of the celestial beings, everything, angels and all, going, he's God, I don't want to be God, I'm happy being in my place before God. That's what we were made for. That's what happened in the beginning when God created Adam and Eve. He said, you'll rule over the earth. You'll have dominion over it under me. And they said, yeah, we'll have dominion over it, but why be under you? Do you understand that? Okay. So God made authority and authority is good. Colossians 1 says this, For by him, which is Jesus, all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Our problem with authority is that we see authority misused, don't we? That's, that can... We say that's what the problem is with authority. There's bad, there's evil people around. You know, they rip people off and, and we see this going on in the world all the time. But the heart of the misuse of authority is that those in authority don't submit to God. If they submitted to God, everything would be smooth. Do you understand that? That's the way he made it to be. And at heart... The reason we don't like anyone being in authority over us is, of course, because we want to be in authority over everybody. I, I, I struggle with this, that I'm not in authority over everybody, but I do know better than everybody else in this world. Um, <laughs> now, no one says that, except for me just now, but we kind of believe it. I tell you, you believe that who you politically go for is number one, and everybody else is wrong, right? And, and, and what... Everything about your decisions and what you... Your best. We just naturally think that. In other words, I'm on the throne. So why would you submit to anybody else who just hasn't got it together when we have? Okay. Without submitting to God, the ultimate authority, we end up, well, futile in our thinking. We end up worshipping useless stuff things of the creation, we end up missing out on the joy of life. We are crazy, ignorant, stupid, rebellious people worthy of judgment. Okay? But we're basically good, right? (laughs) No. We are basically rebellious against God. That's our heart. Now, I just want to jump ahead in talking about authority. Do you notice what Jesus said at the end, uh, just before he was taken up? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So he's ruling over all things now. And he gave the instructions to the disciples. He said, go and make disciples and teach them all that I've told you and baptise them. He gave them authority. But he didn't give them authority to say, you're going to be like me. Because he says, lo, I'm with you to the end of the age. So behold, I'm with you. In other words, I'm still with you and I'm still the Lord and you will be with me under me. Does that make sense? Essentially, we are not independent. We are dependent on him for everything and we submit to his authority. 
Okay. There's a great desire for authority and power over others in this world, isn't there? You see it working out in nations against nations, nations at war, but you see it in people at war. Yep. Um, you see it in domestic violence. You see it in hatred. In every form of relationship, at every level, is this battle for authority. People who want to be above others. And the 24 elders falling down in worship before God are the example of human leadership, as it should be. Falling down before God in worship and then becoming like Jesus the King on the throne because when we're like Jesus, what are we like? Well, we like him who gave himself for us. That's authority. Can you see that? Okay, so, but these uh, 24 elders, they proclaim the greatness of God. They lead the saints in worship. They, they lead the saints in prayer and they worship themselves. Each of them is dressed in white, which means they're pure. Each of them has a golden crown, which means that they have an authority in, in the area that they have. Now, you've got to get the picture of the throne. From the throne, there is thunder. And lightning. We've had a lot of that this year, haven't we? We've seen some storms this year which have been awesome. Can you imagine the throne of God and, it, and the ground around is shaking and there's peals of thunder and there's lightning? And what is this? Um, actually, this is God's action coming down to earth. And in, in Revelation chapter 8, these same things are described as God's answer to our prayers. When we pray, He answers. With powerful acts on the earth. God's not just observing history. He's not up, I wonder what will happen now. He's not looking at your life and going, gee, I hope they make a good choice, but if they don't, they're in trouble. He is ruling over your life. Do you understand that? Is that encouraging? Considering he's a father and he loves you and he sent his son to die for you, is it good that the one who's in authority over all actually is ruling over you? That's pretty good, isn't it? When we see, if you watch the news or maybe you look at Facebook news if you're kind of not very bright, but if you, if you watch the news or see something happening and you see some disaster, you don't see God behind it you don't see God working. You don't see him. It's kind of like he's a bystander, but he's not. He's in control of all things. Even if he's not reported on in the Channel 10 news, he is in action. Okay? Lightning and thunder. Now, before the throne, sorry, there's lots of imagery here, and that's the hard part about the Revelation is everything means something. And it says, before the throne were burning the seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. That's the way the Revelation describes the Holy Spirit, the perfect spirit of God. Before the throne, this, this burning torch, the Holy Spirit giving light. Now, why would the Holy Spirit be called the sevenfold spirit? Seven meaning the number of perfection. But in, 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 in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, it says this, and you, you count these as I go. It's speaking about the Holy Spirit. It says... And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. 
the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the spirit of fear of the Lord. Okay? That's who the Holy Spirit is. He takes everything of God and he brings it to us and he brings the truth to us. And this, uh, in, in the most holy place, the, in, the, in the temple, was a, a, a candle blazing, seven, seven-fold candle, representing the Holy Spirit shining his light to the perfect presence of God. And the lampstands are, do you remember from a few weeks ago what they are? The churches. So um, the Holy Spirit's burning in the churches and bringing... There's so much imagery, it's sort of like, ah, got to take it all in. And then you've got the, the glassy sea, which is... I'm not going to spend much time on this. People think it probably represents a place of serenity, of peace with God before the throne of God, and also a place of purification because there was kind of a large brass pool where the priests used to wash themselves to make themselves pure. Uh, but it's also, you know... Um, uh, Titus, in Titus 3, Paul says, you've been washed through re- regeneration, through being born again. Uh, it, it's this place of washing, a place of purity, and a place of serenity before the throne. Okay. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures. And that's where it gets weird, especially when creatures have eyes all over and you go, I don't like picturing this because it's a weird picture. What does it symbol symbolise if something's got lots of eyes? Can see everything. Can see not just the physical, but imagine if you if you could see into everybody's heart, their motives, the thoughts. That's what these eyes represent. Okay, all things are exposed. You don't want someone to look at you like that, do you? You don't really want someone to know what's in your heart. Okay, but. And these four living creatures, you've got kind of, why do you have a lion, an ox, or a bull, a man, and an eagle? And it's like, what, what, what's the point of these four things? Well, um, the creatures, there was a saying, a rabbi saying in that time, it said this, the mightiest of the birds is the eagle. The mightiest among the domestic animals is the bull. The mightiest of the wild beast is the lion. And the mightiest among all is man. That's the four living creatures. Okay? The strongest, the noblest, the wisest, the swiftest in all creation. And yet, do you see what these do? This represents all of creation. What do they do? They worship God. They fall down before him again and they sing a song together. It's a bit of a theme here, isn't it? What does everything do rightly before the throne of God? Falls down in worship of him. It's awesome, really. And then in a little while in the Revelation, you're going to get this great multitude of believers. And you know what they do before the throne? They worship God. Do you know what? That's what we were made for. Worship of the God who is ruling over all. And if you could go home and think about it for a while, that our God is ruling over everything, there is only one right and sensible option. Worship, isn't there? Is that true? Come on, I'm trying to keep you awake here. Okay. They're singing a song. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We're going to sing that song in a minute. Who was and is and is to come. 
And whenever they sing that song, everybody falls down in thanks and praise. And they say he's the one who lives forever and they all fall down. And do you know what the, the 24 elders do? They take off their crowns and they cast it down. What are they saying? I'm not the ruler of anything. You're the ruler of everything. Yeah? It's a beautiful image. You're like, I don't want to be God. I don't want to be ruler over all. I'm content having the authority that God's given me and taking a place in this world and being happy with that. It's an awesome picture. All worshipping and submitting to God and no one whinging about it. I don't like that bloke in authority over me who's under God. He's making dumb decisions. I don't like it. There's none of that. Everybody content to take their place. What a world that would be, hey? So what I'm saying here is Revelation starts with a foundational piece of knowledge. And if you don't have this, everything else in your life and everything in the Revelation for sure is going to be a, a mess, a frightening mess. But if you understand this, we're made to submit to God. He is on the throne and he's in all authority. Then you can understand this world. You get it. If you don't submit to him, some of the results will be depression, bitterness, anger, complaining, enmity, strife. These are Bible words, by the way. Jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, dissensions, divisions, wars, hatred, slander, gossip. All those things come from what? When we don't submit to God. Because you see, when you don't submit to God, you will submit to nobody. Do you understand that? Right? Because you see, when you have a rebellious heart, I won't submit to anybody and I won't submit to God. Why? Because I'm on the throne. Okay. It's almost a miracle, really, if you think about it, the fact that all humanity, and when I say all, I mean every single one of us, is born rebellious. Do you notice that kids, no one has taught your children to rebel against the authority of your parenting. Is that true? Did anyone sneak in and give them lessons, say, when mum says this, don't do it. No one snuck in and said, it comes from a human heart. Well, it does come from the evil one. All of us are just, it's, it's kind of like, if you really think about it, you think, surely there's a few people in the world who just give in and do what they're told. All of us, from birth, rebel. Isn't that amazing? A bad amazing, by the way. Except for one. Jesus. And we're going to hear about him more next chapter. But he did what the Father said at every point. He submitted to his Father, even when it meant dying on a cross. And why did he do that? To restore all who put their faith in him, to take away their rebellion. He bore our rebellion on the cross, once and for all. Do you hear that? So that we might... Firstly, being cleansed and washed, receive the Holy Spirit, and then receiving the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit does this incredible thing in us. Makes us people who submit. Makes us people who love to worship God and who love to say, I don't want my crown. 
I want to worship him. That's what he does for us. We know that the, the feeling rises up within us sometimes and says, I want to be boss. But the Holy Spirit tears us down and convicts us of sin and takes us back and we take off our crown again and we fall before him and we repent again and we say, I'm sorry I tried to be God of all. It's funny, isn't it? Derek, God of all. <laughs> Who wants that? Uh, really? Um, nobody. Jesus is the one you want to submit to because he has done something amazing. He's restored us from our rebellion to a place where we can submit to God, where we can actually truly fall down in worship. That's awesome. I'm going to pray. Father, we just want to confess today, you are Lord. You are ruler of all. No one is above you. It's true. All authority is yours. You have the throne. And we want to confess also our sin. We have wanted to sit on that throne. We have wanted to rule over all. And we've sinned and rebelled against you. We're sorry for that. We just thank you that you sent your son Jesus to take our rebellion, to bear our sin, that we could be restored to you. And pray that we might be people who live by faith in what he's done, living in that restoration, in that new life where we become people who gladly bow before you and who gladly worship you because we know you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and God Almighty. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.